Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. And tonight I want to talk a life message. I promise you that I will never, ever get in the pulpit and teach you rhetoric. I will always teach what I have learned and lived. And I'm going to tell you that most of my messages have taken much more than the 30 minutes they take to deliver for me to learn. The messages that I bring have taken years and often a lot of pain to get to the revelation that you just get to receive in a 30-minute snippet. And so today I want to talk to you about authority because all of us are called to have authority. We're all called to be the city on a hill, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, No matter whether you are the most introverted person in the room or the loudest extrovert, you are called to carry influence. The moment that you say yes to Jesus, you've said yes to having influence. Every Christian is called to have a kingdom influence everywhere they go. And Jesus said when he left, all authority has been given to me, therefore now you go and make disciples and baptize people. All of us are called to have authority, but we have to understand the way that authority works. And so I again remind you, this is a message that I have learned and lived. It's not something that I just read somewhere, but I have, I have a very curious personality. I don't know if you like me, but I watch. I'm a people watcher. Anyone else? I watch people and observe people. The more introverted people like us, we do that. Extroverts have no idea what everyone else around them is doing, but the introverts are watching what everyone else is doing. And so I'm a people watcher because I'm curious, but I've also had this curiosity towards my relationship with God in that I watch God and I watch what He does and how He does things. And there are scriptures that say, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your thoughts. My ways, my thoughts and my ways are higher than yours. And I've learned over time in watching God and studying the way that He does things and watching how one person really stuffs up over here and another person walks in favor. I'm figuring out how and why God does things. The message tonight is called Misguided Mavericks. Because in 20 plus years of ministry, I've seen so many people self-sabotage the call of their lives because they don't understand authority. And because they don't understand authority, they literally forego their own authority. And they sabotage the impact that they're called to have in a generation. So what's a maverick? A maverick is an unorthodox or independent-minded person. 
in and of itself, that's neither positive or negative. That can be very positive. If I am a, an unorthodox, who knows that in this culture, being a Christian is unorthodox, okay? But it can be negative when that person, that maverick thinking is misguided. And so the title of my message is Misguided Mavericks. We need to understand the order in which God works so that we can walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And so that we can have authority in our walk, we need to understand authority. We're in the kingdom of God. It's not a democracy. It's a kingdom. And today, kingdom thinking is really hard to grasp because we're growing up in a democracy. And I've noticed more and more that democracy actually breeds victimhood and entitlement. And uh, it's funny because as a mum, I often have one of my four children say, Mum, that's not fair. That's not fair, Mum. And my response is, I'm actually not trying to be fair. I'm trying to be just. And you should know by my character and my proven character in your life that you will not miss out. But right now, I'm doing what's right, not what's fair. But in a democracy, we just want what's fair. I want to tell you in the kingdom of God, if you got what was fair, you'd be in a lot of trouble. You better be glad it's a kingdom, that there was a king who stepped in on your behalf and then offered to give you all that he gives you. Because <laughs> if it was a democracy and everything was fair, I don't know about you, but I'd be in a lot of trouble. I'd be in a lot of trouble. And so the curse of democracy is that we never truly respect authority. And so one of the greatest acts of self-sabotage is rebellion. In Proverbs 3, in James 4, in 1 Peter verse 5, the scripture tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but if there's one person I don't want resisting me, it's God. I mean, it's okay if Pastor Dan resists me, right? But if God's resisting me is a whole nother story. And it says there that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so what is rebellion? Rebellion is actually pride. Rebellion is actually self-orientation. Rebellion is a resistance in the heavenly realms. And so we need to understand that in the slipstream of authority, we free ourselves to flow in the currents of supernatural blessing. There's a slipstream of authority. I have learned this. I have learned this that when I come into the slipstream of God's ordained authority, I am free to flow in the currents of the blessing that results from it. 
And so I want to share out of this amazing story in the Gospels, an encounter that Jesus had with a man who was not actually of the Jewish faith. So in other words, he wasn't of the people of God. He was what they called a Gentile, what they called someone outside of the kingdom of God. And Jesus has an encounter with this man and he says, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Let's read it together. Matthew 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now in those days, the Roman Empire was governing and ruling Israel, Jerusalem, and it was broken up according to military structure. And so a centurion was a man who had a hundred soldiers under him, a century. And so he was given the charge of a century, a hundred men to order and direct and govern, to execute the law of the land. And so this centurion, who is a Gentile, comes to Jesus, who is a rabbi, Okay, so the centurion by civic law was his authority, but he comes to Jesus and submits and he pleads with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, well, let me come and I'll heal him. Listen, verse eight, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof But speak only a word and my servant will be healed. Listen to this. For I also am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Can you imagine saying something that Jesus marvels at? Like that one thought changed my life. What on earth could I say that would marvel the heart of Jesus? Because we say a lot of wasted words. But when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who were following, listen, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. He was saying to the church folk about the Gentile, this guy's got more faith than any of you. In one statement, he slaps them all. (laughs) I haven't seen such great faith. So Jesus said to the centurion in verse 13, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very hour. I have not seen such great faith. The centurion was acknowledging the order that Jesus was operating under and in one statement acknowledged the Father in heaven who has supreme authority. He said, Jesus, I understand the authority you work in because I have authority. I get my directions from Caesar and I can direct my centurion. So Jesus, you take your authority from God and you can assign the heavenly hosts and it'll be done. You don't even need to come to my house. It'll be done. And Jesus said, I have not seen faith like this in all Israel. 
And so we often see people who don't understand authority. And I wanna give you a few diagnostic tools as to how to diagnose a misguided maverick, just before we get into it. They're always doing their own thing. In some cases, they're trying to usurp or undermine leadership. Some of the characteristics of a misguided maverick is that they're spiritually out there. They say things like, God told me. Oh, dear Jesus. They find it hard to submit to natural authority. You know where there's like a no standing sign and you stand there? Or like Pastor Mark said this morning, when it says 60 and you're like, well, that just means I can actually go 64 and get away with it. It's all in us. It's in all of us. We're all mavericks a little bit. But they find it hard to submit to spiritual authority as well as natural authority. And so tonight, because God's heart for you is to have authority, and because I so desperately desire that every single one of you walk in the authority of God that you have, I want to share some thoughts that I've learned on how to have spiritual authority. And the first one is this, you've got to know that God has called you. You've got to know that God has called you. If you're doing this for another person, you won't have the full expression of authority that is assigned to you. But when you know God has called you, then you might be the last pick of the bunch, but you have authority. Isaiah 45, he says, even I have called you by name. I have named you even though you did not know me. God has called you. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his own special people, not your own, you are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He saw you and you might be man's last choice, <laughs> but God chose you. Who's heard of the man Reinhard Bonnke? Give me a wave. He recently passed away at the age of 79 and this man was an evangelist in Africa. He heard the, go the call of God and he saw a map of Africa and it was washed in the blood of Jesus. And so if you've ever seen him preach on YouTube or if you have ever had the privilege of even being in an arena with him preaching, all he would talk about with his big accent was a blood washed Africa. And he devoted his whole life to it. And in his lifetime, he held crusades, crusade after crusade after crusade. 1.5 million people would attend each crusade. He is attributed to recording 77 million conversions to Jesus Christ. I can't even get my head around that number. Not only just, you know, it's a, it's a number we think, an estimation, no, recorded names, 77 million conversions. 
But when you hear his testimony, God actually told him when he called him, you are my third choice. The other two said no. To 77 million salvations. But it doesn't matter because he still got called and he still said yes. And he still saw 77 million people receive salvation. You've got to know God called you. It doesn't matter whether you were the last pick on the basketball team. You are called. You are called and God knows you. And do you know what? God's glorious. God is glorious and infinite and powerful and almighty. And the only limitation he puts on himself is you and me. And he chooses it that way. He has called you. And if you want authority, you need to know that you're called. You need to know that you know that you know that you are called, not just to exist, but to make a difference. And when you know that, you can walk in authority. Why? Because there are two types of authority. There's intrinsic authority, which God has. He has authority by very nature. But there's derived authority, which is given to a person who has intrinsic authority. And that's what you and I have. It's what Jesus had. And it's what Jesus passes on to us, is derived authority. So Jesus had intrinsic authority. He said, I and my Father are one, in John 10.30. And now we have derived authority. In John 14, it says, If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also, and even greater works than these will you do, because I go to the Father. And so whatever you now ask for in my name, that I will do. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. And in Matthew 28, like I mentioned, Jesus is leaving, he's ascending, and he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, you go therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. The first thing you need to know is that you're called and you have derived authority because of that calling. Doesn't matter who stands against you. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're from. If God's called, he has given you derived authority and you have authority. So the first thing you need to know to have spiritual authority is that you're called. The second thing you need to do in order to have spiritual authority is to submit to authority. I'm saying it again, I have learned this and I have lived this and I choose to live this. The centurion understood it. He understood what it was to submit to authority and because he knew that, he knew how to execute authority and he knew how authority worked. He said, just say the word because I know what it means to say the word and it gets done. Jesus, you just say the word and it'll get done but he was able to submit to authority. In 1 John 4, if someone claims to be a prophet, 
If someone claims to be a prophet but doesn't acknowledge the truth of Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person as the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming into the world and is indeed already here. There are a lot of people doing stuff who aren't acknowledging God. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those types of people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Isn't it hilarious that we quote that scripture? Well, greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. We take it completely out of context. It's actually about authority. Let's read the preceding verses and understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world if we're submitted to the spirit. This is what I'm trying to get across tonight. If you can walk out with this one revelation, spiritual covering is for your benefit. Spiritual covering is for your benefit. Hebrews 13 verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God for that. But give them reason to do this work with great joy and not sorrow, that you, because the sorrow would certainly not be for your benefit. If you grieve the ones who are in authority over you, it is bad for you. When we understand spiritual covering is for our benefit, we come into the slipstream of favor and grace and power. When we stop being misguided mavericks and start being sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, we come into the slipstream and we can flow in the grace of authority that is available to us. The first commandment, who's heard of the Ten Commandments? There are a few commandments that are just like, don't do this, full stop. But the first commandment that has a blessing attached to it says, obey your father and mother that it may go well for you in the land. The first commandment that has a blessing attached to it has to do with honoring authority, that it may go well with us. We have to understand our spiritual covering, our parents, our pastors, our bosses, we have to understand spiritual covering. The first person I had to get my relationship right was my dad. When I realized that if I wanna live a blessed life, I have to honor him. And at the time he was not a believer, he is now. But at the time he was not a believer and I actually didn't agree with his lifestyle choices. And it was actually my amazing husband, Sam, who said to me, you need to get your heart right. What do you mean? He's not living right. I don't care. If I'm going to marry you and I want blessing in my life, you need to get that relationship right because you're going to cut me off from blessing. God didn't say, honor your father and mother if they're believers and they're really nice to you and they pay you pocket money every week. He said, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. And I had to. 
I had to actually correct myself. And can I tell you a side note? The moment I did that, my dad started being receptive to the gospel. I had kept him in a cage by my judgment. That's a side note and another message. And then I started working for Pastor Mark Ramsey. And I decided that he would be like a surrogate spiritual father for me. And I chose to come into the slipstream of his authority. And if he was sitting here, I would still say he is far from perfect. But I understood God had put me under his covering. And I understand still to this day that I am blessed as long as I remain under a covering. Do you know how many people say to me, you're such a strong leader, Carolina. Why are you still a part of the City Point Network? You could do this on your own. I choose this. I choose this. God has placed me here. Very early in the day, God said to me, you are called to serve Mark Ramsey. As a part of the outworking of your call, learn to submit and come under the blessing of that covering. And there are times where I haven't agreed. There are times where me and all my wisdom knew how to do it much better. Except that it wasn't wisdom and years down the track I realized. But I've chosen to stay in that place of submission. There's blessing there. And then my husband. Oh. You know, what is it about us that thinks that we can define things for ourselves? You know, we live in a generation that says, I want to identify myself the way I want to identify myself. You actually don't have a right to do that. God identifies you. We have a generation of women who say, I am woman, hear me roar. I don't have a right because God said, that the man is the head of the home. I can argue as much as I want, or I can realize I have an opportunity to partner with the grace and live in blessing. I don't always understand it, but there's a way that God ordains things, and there's blessing that flows. Teachers, teachers, if you're at school and you're a smart aleck to your teacher, you better believe God is not gonna trust you with a single thing. Some of you probably need to go back to your teachers and apologize, or at very least, just change. The open doors of favor into my own life rest when I understand that to have authority, I need to submit to authority. The third thing we need to do is admit the disparity. You cannot be in a relationship with God and in rebellion to God-appointed authority. You can't. You just can't. It's not possible. In Luke 16, 12, Jesus said, if you haven't been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? The first test is submission. The first test is admitting there's a disparity. I actually live in rebellion and I need to deal with that in order to have authority. 
to come into the slipstream and live in the blessing. You know, David was amazing at this, King David. He had been anointed as the next king. The prophet of the day, Samuel, found him, anointed him head to toe with oil and said, you're gonna be the next king. There was just a one problem, minor problem. There was already a king in place and he was crazy. I mean, proper crazy. I mean, so proper crazy that this guy Saul was trying to kill David. But David had been anointed by God as the next king. And there are a few times in scripture where David finds himself in an opportune position where he was able to take Saul out. And every time his men around him, his friends around him, be careful what counsel and advice you take. It's not always right. They all said, David, Samuel anointed you. Now he, God's delivered Saul into your hands. This is your opportunity. Take him out. And David, every time he said, no, far be it from me to raise a hand against the Lord's anointed. If God wants me in the throne, he can put me in the throne. And every time he just left it to God. He ended up being chased like a dog by Saul for years years and he had the opportunity to take Saul down many times over that time and he didn't do it because he understood authority John 4 1 John 4:20 if someone says i love god but he hates his fellow believer that person is a liar for if you don't love people who you can see how could you possibly love god who you can't see in order to have authority, I need to admit there's a disparity, there's a gap. And if I'm in rebellion to authority, I will never have a thriving, authentic relationship with God who is the supreme authority. The way I exercise my submission to authority here is a direct reflection of the way I approach God. And if there's a disparity here, it will never be genuine here. We have to admit it and deal with it if we want the authority that God wants for us. Number four, in order to have spiritual authority, we have to diagnose not what, but who. It's actually never about what you're being asked to do, but who it is who's asking you to do it. Because there can be this really beautiful, shiny spotlight moment over here that God hasn't asked you to do. And there might be a moment over here that involves a toilet brush that God did ask you to do. And so it doesn't matter what, it matters who. Doesn't matter what, it matters who. And so we're not meant to be, well, I'd prefer to do such and such. What we need to be is regardless of the request, who is it that's asking? And so I'm gonna be flexible I'm gonna be interruptible. I'm gonna be ready to drop everything and run if the right person is asking, no matter what it is they're asking me to do. That takes maturity. It takes a whole lot of maturity. And ultimately, it may be man who asks. You know, when Pastor Mark asks me to do something, it doesn't matter what it is he's asking me to do, unless of course it was morally incorrect, then I wouldn't do it. That has never happened. But there are definitely menial things that Mark asks me to do that interrupts my day and I will stop what I'm doing because I understand authority. 
So it starts there, but then ultimately God asks us too. Acts 19 is hilarious. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we ex exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul teaches. It's like the second, third, fourth hand. Like I saw them doing it and so now I'm going doing it. I actually have no authority. I haven't been called. I don't know what I'm doing, but I saw them doing it. So I'm going to try it. Please don't regurgitate someone else's podcast, someone else's revelation. You've got to know it yourself. And there were seven other guys who were doing it as well. And the evil spirit who was in this person that they were trying to exercise in the Jesus that Paul talks about, speaks up and speaks out of the mouth of this person and he goes, you know what? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who the hell are you? Zero authority. And then that spirit beat these guys up. You've got to know you're called and you've got to know who's calling you. And we have a God-ordained order and when that order flows properly, there's great reward. C.S. Lewis said this, it's a it's a beautiful marriage of two dynamics. When authority is exercised with humility and obedience to that authority is accepted with delight, we are in the very lines along which our spirits live. And so we've come full circle now. Those with authority need to exercise their authority with humility and those under authority need to accept that authority with joy and obedience and they are the lines along which our spirits thrive and flow and heaven can move in our generation. Luke 22, Jesus said to him, the kings of the Gentiles, people in the world, exercise their lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors but not so among you. What he's saying is people in the world do things for the benefit of themselves, but not so among you. On the contrary, who is the greatest among you? Let him be the servant. And he who governs as though he serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I, Jesus, am among you as the one who serves. And I wrote here that true authority actually comes from serving. True authority comes when we are humble. True authority comes when we have a revelation of humility and calling. And our calling is never about ourselves. Authority is never about the power that we might have. Authority and calling is about ushering in heaven to a generation. That means there actually needs to be less of me and more of Jesus, daily less of me and daily more of Jesus. And we work this out in relationship, rubbing shoulders with people, rubbing off sharp edges. I'm not going to pretend that it's fun. It's really not fun. But when we keep our hearts right, we can stand into authority. We don't seek our own authority. We seek to submit. We seek opportunities to submit to the right authority. That we would not be misguided mavericks in this generation. There's enough of those. And it's an ugly circus kind of world out there. 
It's a zoo out there, friends. Not so among you, Jesus said. Humble hearts. God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Misguided mavericks. What's the ripple effect of our choices and our attitudes towards authority? Young people, towards your parents. What's the ripple effect of that? What's the ripple effect of your interaction with your teachers? How are you honoring them as authority? Because this is your season to be diligent in that space. They're the authority over you. Is this is your season. Don't wait one day to honor a really awesome boss. No, right now, God's testing you. In the church, in the workplace, in our marriages, how are we interacting and are we prideful or are we humble? Are we rebellious or are we submissive? Because only when we get it right can we walk in true authority. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.